0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to ToledoCalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, good morning, Calvary. Isn't it good to know we have a living hope? That in a world that so often seems hopeless in so many ways, that we have incredible hope that we find in Jesus And uh, I'm so thankful that we can not only uh, know that hope, but we can experience it, we can sing about it together. Welcome those of you that are here in the room, also those of you that are joining us online or by way of television, thanks for being with us today. It's so good to know that we can come together and experience hope, because as a nation, it's been a tough week, hasn't it? And uh, we are living in some unique times, For those that may be viewing or a part of this service, uh, not live, but at a later point, um, at the time of this service, uh, we are looking back on this past Wednesday, January 6th, when during a joint session of Congress, when uh, they were meeting to certify the Electoral College, um, there was a storming of our nation's capital, violence, and people that lost their lives inside. I think it is important for us to mention in a time like this, that what happened on Wednesday, that kind of lawlessness, chaos, violence, it's inexcusable, it's unacceptable, and it's wrong. And it leaves us in a moment like this, I think, with all kinds of emotions as um, Americans, as individuals, um, as people that have been through kind of a, a crazy season already, the things that we've had to process and experience um, over the course of this last year, and I don't know about you, but I can tell you about the people that I've talked to over the course of the last few days. There's confusion, there's anger, there's fear, there's disbelief, there's disappointment, there's a zeal, there, there's some people say, listen, I just, I just never thought that things would be this way. Can anybody relate to any of that? Is it just me or anybody else? Help me out here, because we're, we're here together, okay? So, so I think there's a couple things that are good for us to talk about. One is this, that no matter what we've seen in the headlines or experienced or, or gone through in the last few months, God is still in control. Amen? Like, I think we start in that place. We know that. And I don't mean that in just, like, good, the pastor said what the pastor's supposed to say. Like, I have to come back to that. And remind myself that in different seasons of life, whether it's a national season, whether it's a season that we're experiencing as individuals, as a family, as a church, that God's still in control. I also think it's especially important now more than ever that we go back to what, what, what Paul says to Timothy to tell the church to do when the church comes together. And one of the key things that he says, First Timothy chapter 2 Verse one, let's, let's take a look at what he says. He, urges, he says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Is it important for us to pray for our leaders? Absolutely, and we're gonna do that in just a moment. We pray for kings and all those in authority. Why? It's not just that we pray for them. Paul says, look, there's, there's something for you wrapped up in this, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Why is that important? Because this is good, and it pleases God our Savior. Why? Because he wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. We'll, we'll come back to this in a different form here in a couple of moments, but, but think of this. Part of God's purpose for the church, especially as we pray for those that are in authority, is that there's a blessing that comes in our life and that other people come to know Jesus and his truth. And so we, we pray in those ways. So we will pray today for President Trump and we'll pray today for President-elect Biden. We will pray for peace. Because unless I miss my guess, some of you feel like you really need it today. Some of us, there's just there's just been an unsettling, whether you're here in this room or you're watching this on screen, you're listening to this somehow. There's an unsettling that has come you. And I think that in some ways, we're, we're grieving as a nation. We're, we're grieving the fracture that's in our nation. We're, we're grieving some of the spiritual things that we're seeing and experiencing, the things that we've lost. In many ways, I believe our nation needs a spiritual awakening, don't you? <laughs> Desperately, I think we pray for that. That's huge. I wonder, too, if Jesus isn't grieving. Because some of the things that I saw being said and done in his name over the course of this last week, don't look at all like the Jesus I know. And I think it's so important that we recognize that we have been called to show the love of Christ to the world around us, that they'll know the knowledge, that they'll be saved. And so I want to take a couple of moments, and I want to pray together for our nation. I Believe that God will do what, what, what he said to Solomon, that he will heal our land. It will require repentance. It's going to require change. We'll talk about that here in just a few more moments. But will you join me and let's pray together um, as scripture implores us to do. Father, we begin by thanking you that in every season of our lives you are God and you are good and we can trust you that there is no external circumstance that changes the fact that you are the same yesterday and today and forever. And so our hope, our living hope is in you And Lord, as your word encourages us, we pray today for those in leadership. Lord, we pray for President Trump. We pray for President-elect Biden. We pray for those who serve them. We pray for those who serve in our Congress. For those who serve in different leadership roles, federal, state, local. God, would you give them wisdom. Lord, would you give them discernment. Lord, we pray that you would turn their hearts towards you. Lord, we pray this, that you would guide them, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives, as Scripture says, and that through those things that people would come to know you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior. Lord, we pray for a a fractured nation. We pray for a grieving people. Lord, we ask that you would, would guide us in this, that you would direct us in this, that you would help us to be your church, that we would show the world Who Jesus is Lord I pray that in this moment you'd bring peace to those who need to experience it that you'd allow us to sense and know a a presence from you God that reminds us that no matter what the world looks like around us your world your your kingdom come your will be done Lord, you do your work in our hearts and in our lives Lord, as we look at Scripture today, would you allow each one of us to have an open heart, open ears, an open mind, to hear what your word would speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, if you have your Bibles, either in a print or a digital form, why don't you turn with me to Psalm 133 today, Psalm 133. This is actually one of my um, kind of favorite passages of Scripture. I, I love this uh, this part of God's word, and uh, was not going to talk about this today. I think originally we had talked about how are you going to give the blessing to others, but then when when things transpired this week, I just felt kind of stirred in my spirit to look at a different passage, and then and then as we, we did, did, we've talked about this passage multiple times before. Um, when we did realize that blessing, which is the series that we're in, is a key theme that runs throughout this scripture. So so God knows how to use His word in a timely way. We're going to look at Psalm one thirty three here in these next few moments. Psalm 133, we're gonna talk about the blessing of unity today. Let's read it together. This is a song of ascents of David. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing even life forevermore. This, this title, we often skip over these things. It tells us that David wrote this psalm, and it was a song that would have been sung. It's called a song of ascent. When they would have sung it would have been when they would ascend, that's why it's called a song of ascent, up into Jerusalem. And the reason we say up into Jerusalem is because if you're going to go into Jerusalem, you're, you're going up in elevation. So when they would ascend into Jerusalem and even further up to Mount Zion or to where the temple was in Jerusalem, when you would ascend up to that place, They would be together. They would come from all over the nation of Israel for these feasts. And these were songs that they would sing in the groups as they would travel. These would be worship songs that they would sing as they would ascend up into Jerusalem. So they're singing this. And and what I want you to see today is is today, if you're you're a, a guest with us, if you're new here, whether online or in person, we're honored that you would be here. Maybe you're even curious about Christianity or curious about the church. Maybe you don't, you don't feel like you belong to a specific church or maybe even a person of faith. And I'm so glad that you're here today. But today's message is for God's people. All right? This scripture is specifically written to God's people. And as the pastor of this group of God's people, my, my focus is on God's people at Calvary Church. And I think one of the things that's, that's motivating is I want to make sure that as we are in such a unique season, and as we're talking about blessing, does anybody want God's blessing in your life? Does anybody want God's blessing in the church? Right, and In a season like this, if we want that, then we need to know what does God's word say about that. I read an article um, that, that our general superintendent, Doug Clay, who many of you know as Pastor Clay. He was our pastor here at Calvary before the role that he's in. He, he wrote an article and, and about many of these things, and here's a statement that he made in that. He said, a divided nation is discouraging, but a divided church is devastating. And that's true. And I know that what the world needs if it's divided is a united, healthy, impactful church. And so today I want to talk about what, what a divided church does not look like. I want to talk about a church that is united. That scripture we just read says how, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. What does that mean when you say unity? Well, unity is not uniformity. It doesn't mean that we all have to be the same or we all have to look the same or we all have to, to act the same or that we all even have to think the same. What it means is, I think, if, if we're going to say it maybe in just some general terms, it means that we're all, we're all sharing a common purpose. We share common priorities. As we look at this, we'll, we'll talk about how we're heading in the same direction. When we talk about Jesus, when we talk about things that are eternal, when we talk about the purpose of the church, we'll talk about these things here in just a few moments, but that we're heading in the same direction. Unity means that we recognize there is something that we share, and that as a result, it calls us to head in the same direction. Family kind of works that way, right? There's something special about family. you, You might not agree with everybody in your family, but yet there's some special bond that pulls you together because you're family. Look, there are people in my family, my extended family, that I'm so happy I don't have to live with. Anybody else? You know what I'm talking about? Love them. Something really special about them. I have a unique relationship with them. I'm so glad they have their own house. But there's something that unites us. Man, that same thing's true as the church. There's a a unity that we have because we are the family of God. I wanna talk out of this passage in Psalm 133 today about four blessings of unity. There are four blessings of unity. And I'll be honest, as you think about these things that are the the natural overflow, the result of unity in our lives, these are things I don't wanna give up. Like, these these are things that I don't wanna miss, to be honest with you, I, I think they're things that as we consider them, as we look at them, These are things that we do not want to live without. There's very few things that would be more important than these things. So let's talk about them. Psalm 133, verse 1, let's start with this one. It says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. That phrasing there, when he talks about how good it is, how pleasant it is, it describes that there's something wonderful that happens when we live together in unity. It's important. And if I had to put it just kind of into one word, the first blessing of unity that we'll look at today is favor, Number one, it's favor. Unity brings something beautiful. It brings God's favor. And here's what I want you to know as we talk about unity today. I think it's important you realize that this is more than just politics. And it's more than just the church. The blessings of unity come in to your relationships in your home. You'll see them in your life with your spouse You'll see them with your kids, you'll see it in the workplace, in your school, in your, in your relationships, in the, in the places where you minister and serve others. These things all come into play because when, when things are united, there's this natural blessing that comes from it from God. And, and the first thing we look at is this idea that there's, there's favor. There is divine favor in unity. There's divine favor in unity. There is an energy. There is a momentum, how good and pleasant it is when people dwell together, when they live together in unity. There is something that is there. And unity means we might disagree at times. There might even be seasons where we kind of have to disengage in some ways. But even in those times that we recognize that there is favor when we're moving in the same direction. When When I think about this, I think about a river, And a river is something that's very familiar to us here in the Toledo area, because a river really defines so much of who we are geographically, right? The river determines the boundaries of many of our areas. The Maumee River kinda defines so much of who we are. It has shaped this region. It, it depends on the river at different times, how you will drive if you're going to go over the bridge somewhere, right? You've got all those different questions that come because of this river. Raise your hand if you've ever been out on the Maumee River in a boat or a canoe. Like many of you, you know what I'm talking about, right? So this is, this is a familiar thing. A river reminds me of the favor of God that comes when there's unity because we're all headed in the same direction. That there is a a momentum. What does a river do? Well, a river can take you somewhere. A river can create energy. A river is a source of life. And that favor that comes to us in those moments, I I think we can picture in that same way that there's a a force, there's a momentum, there's an energy that comes with God's favor. And how do you know that you're in the river? Because you're headed in the same direction. There's a flow that you're moving in. And that's key for us. Now, if you've ever been out in the Maumee River, I, I, I really noticed this the last time I was out on a boat, and we went, we went around one of the islands. Anybody ever done that? You've been out there, and there's, there's islands out in the river, and at some point, you have to decide when you come up on the island, what side am I going to go around on? And the reality is, the same thing happens in our relationships, that as we're flowing down that river, we may get to a point where there is that island, there is that obstacle, And we may end up having a point where we diverge in some way. And what's interesting is if you're on that side of the island and somebody else is on this side of the island, you're going to see things from a different perspective. You're going to see things in a different way. The important thing is that you realize that the island is temporary. You're going to float by it. And at some point, you're going to be back together. And you need to make sure you're headed in the same direction. What is that for the church? For us, we've identified those things. We say, first of all, it's it's God first. These are those roots we talked about a year ago, right? It's God first. He's the first thing in our lives. That people are the priority. There's too many lost people, and we want people to see Jesus. We want to grow in our faith, and that with a with a thankful heart, we serve because we get to do this. We get to be a part of God's kingdom, and the important part is we realize, hey, we're, we're flowing, we're heading in that same direction. That's so important. And remembering that when we come to those islands, and even if we're in a point where we see things from a different perspective, that we know that we're heading in the same direction in the big scheme of things. Does that, does that analogy make sense a little bit to three of us? Okay, good, let me, let me take it one more step then. Because what can happen many times, if we're not careful, is when, when we're going in, a, in, in the same direction, there'll be these things that will create places where there's some conflict. And if we're not careful, anybody ever seen a whirlpool? I remember being a little kid and going to Niagara Falls. And when, you, when the falls go down and the Niagara River goes, there's a, there's a famous whirlpool that's there, if you've ever seen it. And I remember my family wanting to go and take a look at it. And you can stand, you can see the whirlpool. And I don't know if they still have it, but if I remember right, they, they used to have a cable car that would go over the whirlpool. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm not making it up. This wasn't just a bad dream. So, but it was a cable car that goes over. And I remember always being afraid that my family would want to do the cable car, because I'd be the guy that gets sucked in. But here's the deal, what happens, a whirlpool is caused when you have two opposing currents that come together, when they don't get any resolution they create this kind of swirling mess and you know what that's like not just in the natural world some of you know what that's like in the relational world in the political world in the in the spiritual world in some ways right and what's happening if we're not careful is that there's an opposition in our culture at times and then it affects our relationships with each other because we can't bring resolution, that spinning and that swirling starts and it will pull us in, drag us down and suck the life right out of us if we're not careful. And we need to watch out for those things in our lives. Look, I, I ask myself the question, what causes disunity? And if it's all right, I'm going to just kind of tell you my own thoughts and challenges for the next couple of moments. Because I'm asking the question, like what What causes this unity in some of these places? And oftentimes, it's the extremes, right? When you you look at what happened on Wednesday, there were a lot of well-meaning people at that march that did not get violent and did not storm the Capitol. In the very same way that there were a lot of well-meaning people who showed up to marches this past summer and did not get violent did not get destructive. The danger happens on the extremes. But we like to tag people, we like to blame people, we look at different things, and we forget that there are these extremes, but there's an awful lot of well-meaning, good people in the middle. I forget that there's a lot of people who are just like me in the middle, and if I'm not careful, especially within the church, if I'm not careful, that whirlpool will come and will suck me right in, it'll pull us in, drag us down, and suck the life right out of us. And I need to be careful that I do not allow that to happen. Now, can I be real transparent with you for just a moment as a, as a pastor? Is that okay? I see all of you online nodding your head. We'll still be friends in three minutes. Can I get an amen? Some of you really, really, really want me to defend the president today. And others of you really, really, really want me to denounce the president today. I know it, I feel it. And here's the deal many of you feel that a real Christian would do one or the other. And the language that I've heard recently has just kind of broken my heart. Look, I understand that some of you are hurt and you're disappointed and you're deeply concerned about the things that you're seeing. But as the church, when we attack our brothers and our sisters in Christ, when we fail to realize that there are a lot of well-meaning people who love Jesus, and especially when we do this over islands, over things that are temporary, that if we'll keep our focus on the actual things that are eternal and what God has for us long-term, which is actually what scripture tells us to do, when we do those things, then we can preserve the favor of God in our lives. The reality is we are not to fight against each other, we're to fight for each other because we need each other. Now, look, that's key for us in this season. On top of this, we're, we're in such a weird season right now because there's, there's a lot of you who are watching this right now who you used to sit in these seats, but it's been a while since we've seen you. And that's understandable. It's been such a weird season for all of us. And some of you, the reason that you haven't come back to church yet is, is because of health. And if that's, if that's the reason, if that's the story, look, we understand, and you do what is wise, and you do what is, is prudent for you in this season but for others of us, the issue isn't health, it's habit. Like we've, we've missed so much church that we don't miss church anymore. And can I tell you, we miss you. And I think there's something powerful about when we're together as God's people. And just I hope that you will ask God about coming back because we're ready to welcome you home. Because look, in these seasons, and especially in difficult seasons like this, we've got to realize that what God has called the church to, first and foremost is to unity, that we care more about each other than we care about being right. And that we say, God, would you help us to preserve your favor? I think it goes deeper than that. Here's the second verse, Psalm 133, verse two. David writes, it is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe, this is a picture that we don't fully understand or, or get because in the 21st century, we don't use oil in that same way. If, if you're familiar with our practice of, as a church, if, if you were to say, hey, I, I'm, I'm sick, then we will pray for you. James chapter five tells us that we will anoint you with oil. When we anoint you with oil, we usually just take kind of a little bit and put it on your forehead because you actually do not want us taking the, the, the Costco-sized bucket and dumping it on your head. Right? But Scripture tells us something different, that when they anointed the priest, and this is particularly the high priest, it was a precious oil. It wasn't something that they just whipped up or, or got down at the store. It had at least four special ingredients, and it took time. It took time for it to take on the character of the things that were in it. And when they used it, it was specifically for the high priest, anointing the priest, and for uh, when they would uh, anoint the house of God. The tabernacle of the temple, they would use this oil, and they would pour it. It wasn't just, you know, hey, let's give you a little dab. It would run down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard. He was the first high priest. Symbolizes those that were called to do his job. Down on the collar of his robe. This is a significant picture of God's anointing. The second thing that we see that is a blessing of unity, number two, is anointing. And when there's disunity, it puts the anointing in your life in jeopardy. But where there's unity, there is divine anointing in unity. There's, there's a power that comes. What do you mean by anointing, Chad? Well, we looked last week at one of the definitions of blessing. When you see it in Scripture, is blessing is that everything you need to do, everything that God has created you to do, So when Scripture says he's going to bless you, it means he's going to give you everything you need to do everything God has created you to do. And that comes because he gives us his anointing. You have this anointing for a purpose. And can I tell you this? This is is maybe me meddling for more than three minutes, sorry. But God's purpose for his church is bigger than any cultural moment. God's purpose for his church. We are living in a weird cultural moment. But God's purpose for his church is bigger than any cultural moment. I go, I go back to Pastor Clay's statement that a divided church is devastating, to which some of you go, okay, I hear you talking all this unity stuff, but think about it for a minute, chief. Aren't you worried about the future of our country? I'm deeply worried about the future of our country. I'm deeply worried about the moral direction of our country. I'm I'm worried about the political direction of our country. When you start talking about issues of morality and free speech and religious liberty, I'm deeply worried. But I've been worried for more than just a few months. And if you just got worried because of an election, then you've been asleep for too long. I've interacted with people over the years. I can think of one friend several years ago who told me, they said, um, I haven't felt good for some time. Like for a while, I've known that something wasn't right. But just this week, the doctor gave me a diagnosis, and it's cancer. That cancer didn't just pop out of, of nowhere. It had been developing inside of them for a long, long time. I think many of the things that we're concerned about as a nation are a moral and a spiritual cancer that's been developing for decades, has it not? You with me or are you without me? Don't be without me. <laughs> look, I'm deeply worried, so what does that mean? Look, it means that as a church, we're gonna stand for truth, we're gonna declare what's right when things are wrong, we're gonna speak truth to power, we're gonna speak words of life just as we consistently have as a church and we will continue to. But today, look, I'm thankful for a church that when I look at history has survived so many times and so many challenges and so many unique things. You look at the history of the church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So here's the deal, today I'm not talking about the culture and I'm not talking about government and I'm not talking about leaders because this passage is for the church. And our divided world needs a united church, true or false? Look, I know that some of you go, but, but I, I, don't, I don't get all that. I don't understand it all. Look, here's why it's so important. Because as a body, we need to be working together. The other night I got home and Ron and I were doing some stuff in the kitchen and I needed to get something out of a drawer. And she says, I think it's in the back of that drawer. And so I wasn't paying attention. And so I just reached in the back of the drawer. And when I did, I ran this finger. This is my preaching finger. I ran this finger right into something sharp. I'm still not sure what it is. We'll go back and do the forensic studies and figure out where the evidence is later. I just right into something sharp, right the very tip of my preaching. So if I'm off a little bit today, it's because of this. Man, did it hurt. And like, I pushed that thing in there, and it was just kind of deep, and I'm all right. I'm a man. I'm going to make it. But it's amazing, like I'm good, my legs are good, my arms are good, my head, it's normal, right? And so, like it's all those things. But it's amazing how much that tiny little cut on the tip of my finger has affected me the last few days. Like I'm, I'm doing everything different, you know, at times. Because I'm protecting this little part here. Because this thing is made to function as a whole body. And it's at its best when it's united and working together. Does that make sense? Like we've been called to be the church, to work together. And here's what I don't want to see you jeopardize. I don't want to see Calvary Church jeopardize this. But let me take it one more step further. I don't want to see you jeopardize this in your home and in your workplace and in your spirit. I don't want to see you jeopardize the anointing of God for your life. It's huge. And you go, well, I don't, I don't see things the same way as some other people. I don't, I don't even like them. Let me show you this passage, Mark Mark chapter three, verse 18. The gospels, I think all the gospels give us a listing at some point of when Jesus picked his disciples, when he like chose them. And he said, these are the ones I'm calling you to serve me. And it's interesting, I won't read all of them. Let me just give you a snapshot. Here's Mark's version, Mark chapter three, verse 18. Some of the guys that he chose, there's 12 of them. Here's just this verse. He chose Andrew, Philip, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, some, some passages of scripture, like he, I think the book of Matthew refers to him as Levi. You'll see, hear him called Levi sometimes. And he's usually called Matthew the tax collector. That means he worked for the Roman government. That means there's a good chance that he was ripping people off. If he practiced the same thing as the other tax collectors, he probably stole some money from some other people. He was like, you know, hey, I'll, I'll take what the government has and then take a little bit from myself, from you as well. So that's Matthew the Roman tax tax collector that Jesus calls, then Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot. That may mean that he was spiritually zealous, but many theologians believe that he was called Simon the Zealot because he was part of a group called the Zealots who were looking to overthrow the Roman Empire largely because of the taxes that this dude was collecting. Do you think that there were times when the disciples said, Maybe Matthew and Simon should not sit together at lunch. They had very different views. And yet, because of Jesus, it brought them together. Look, some of you are very zealous about how you feel about things in our nation. And take that beyond the nation. You're zealous about how you think about things in politics. You're zealous about how you think about things in the church. You're zealous about how you think things should go in families. And that's awesome because God wires us all different. He doesn't call us to uniformity, but he does call us to unity. And here's my encouragement with regard to zeal. It's okay to be zealous. It's okay to move on the things that you feel passionate about. But let a humble spirit come before a holy zeal. Like, you can have a holy zeal, but if you come at it with arrogance or disunity, I will not hear a word you say, because that's all I'll see. It's so important that a humble spirit comes before a holy zeal. And look, if you want to be effective in the things that you're zealous about, let me encourage you that the first step should be humility. I didn't say it, but God said that he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So let a humble spirit come before your holy zeal and let unity change the situation. Let me give you one more just kind of anointing thought. When they would pour that oil, it didn't just look like something as it poured, but it smelled like something. Look, you you should, as you carry out God's anointing for your life, you should smell like something. Like there should be something, an aroma, the aroma of Christ, Paul calls it, that's pleasing, that, that draws people to Jesus and who he is. It's interesting, in the age of, of wearing masks, um, it's, it's this new reality a little bit where I've learned a little bit about myself. I always, since day one as a pastor, I've always kept mints in my left pocket. That's been for you. So that if you and I are talking in the atrium after service, I can pop a tic-tac in and know that after talking all this time, because your, your mouth can get a little gnarly right after that, that tic-tac's there for you. Until I started wearing a mask, that tic-tac is now for me. <laughs> a couple months ago, I was, uh, I was we just finished up, popped the mask on, popped the tic-tac in, and I was actually talking to Pastor Bennel, and I don't think he even knows this, and I'm just talking away, and all of a sudden the tic-tac flew out of my mouth. And it's rattling around down here around my chin. (laughs) Why? Because when those words come out, if I'm not careful, they're gonna stink. Look, the words you say, the things you post online, can I encourage you, let unity change the situation. Let it let it bring something beautiful. But you just say, but I'm frustrated. I read read this quote from Kerry Newhoff this week that really helped me. He said, turn to God with your frustrations about people because if you don't turn to God, you'll turn on them. I think that's a good encouragement because I'll be honest, I don't want to lose God's favor in the church or in my life, and I don't want to lose God's anointing in the church or in my life. Let me give you a third blessing of unity real quick. uh, Psalm 133, verse 3. David says, it's as if the dew of Hermon... We're falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Let me show you the third blessing of unity. We'll just be a little redundant here. It's, it's blessing. It's blessing itself that comes because of unity. Um, when we looked at that passage, in fact, if we can jump back real quick to verse 3, I want to show you something where it says, it's as if the dew of Hermon. I read that and I go, who's that? <laughs> right, who's Hermon? Like, and why has he got due? Hermon's not a person, it's a place. Up on the northern border of Israel is Mount Hermon. And oftentimes when we think of Israel, we think of desert, we think of Sinai, we think that kind of Ten Commandments look out there, and yet there are regions in Israel where there is lush forest. When you read about raging waters in the Old Testament, the the region that is referred to as Dan in the Old Testament, it's actually a forest, it's it's rich, there's vegetation. Hermon is the mountain where Israel actually has a ski slope because it gets snow-covered. And then as that snow melts, it comes down Hermon, and then it rolls down, then, and it's what eventually feeds into the Sea of Galilee. It feeds into the Jordan River and ultimately ends at the Dead Sea. Where does all that start? Well, initially, it starts at Mount Hermon. So Hermon is known for its green and lushness. It is a rich place. It's, it's agriculturally a rich place. It says as if the dew of Hermon, we're falling on Mount Zion. Everything that Hermon is, Mount, Mount Zion is not. Mount Zion is Jerusalem. It's the temple. And it's possible for the spring and summer months that that region of the world has no rain, has, has no dew during that time. So what God is saying is where there is unity, what happens here can happen there. He's telling us that there is divine blessing in unity. There's even supernatural blessing that can happen when there is unity. And here's what I want you to see when you think about this. Unity is a gift from God. It's something that he brings to us. It's not just something that we have to kind of stir up. It's something that we are open allow him to bring to us, It's interesting, when you read those passages, verse 2 and, and 3, and I've read those passages for years, I've never seen this before, it says that the oil goes down on Aaron, that it goes down on his beard, and then that verse we just looked at says that it falls on Mount Zion, that there's this idea of this blessing descending on us from God. It's not from us, he brings it to us. In fact, James tells us this, James chapter 1 Verse 17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Why do I stress that? Because unity comes from God, and I want it. Anybody else? I want to live a life with favor and anointing and with blessing. But I've also seen this. Disunity dries up the blessings of God. That where there is disunity, it dries up the blessings of God. I've seen it happen in churches. I've seen it happen in people's lives. I'll give you one quick story from years and years and years ago. There was a couple that I knew that had been struggling in their marriage. Look, we'll just be really honest. Neither one of them were perfect. He had made some big mistakes. And she... It's probably not that easy to live with. That's the nicest way I could say it. And as a result, it had put some real challenges and issues into their marriage. And they were at a point, because of that disunity, those real, very clear, obvious challenges. He had done dumb stuff. She had responded in some really bad ways. It put this issue here. And entered this very selfish, self serving third party that got in her ear and started telling her things about him. And then got in his ear and started telling him things about her. And then the things that she heard, she started saying to other people. And the things that he heard, he started saying to other people. And then this person kept putting things in their ears. And what happened is, as they were trying to come back together to the covenant relationship that they had made before God, this third party got in the middle and started putting these wedges between them to the point that they finally got a divorce. And if I remember the story right, it was after the divorce that almost by chance, that the ex-husband and ex-wife realized that the things that the third party had been saying to both of them were lies all along. This other third party was, was fueling things in each of their lives to bring them to a point where they got to a place of separation, where they turned away from the covenant relationship that they had made before God. And I couldn't help but think of that story as I read that passage and I thought of this. Because over the course of this last year, I've watched so many little things that cause us, even as the people of God, to separate out. Yeah, we're going to see things differently. Yeah, we're going to want to respond to things differently. That's, that's normal. We're not called to be uniform, but we are called to be united, to have a same purpose, because we have a covenant relationship before God. And can I tell you, there's a third party who would love to destroy that relationship. You know that, right? A selfish, self-serving enemy of our souls That would love to see a devastated church. Love to see devastation come to your family. Love to see devastation come to your relationships. Because there's these whirlpools I get sucked into, and there's these people I just don't get along with, and there's these thoughts I have about certain situations, and many of them are right for me to be passionate about and want to respond to, but not at the expense of God's favor, anointing. And blessing in my life. Because even in the midst of those moments, can I give you a fourth thing? One last thing, number four. Psalm 133, verse three. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling out Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Not just life for today. Not just faithfulness from yesterday. But his life forevermore. That's hope. Unity, fourth thing, brings us hope. And that hope isn't just for this moment. That hope is eternal. So what I want you to to catch today, what I hope you'll grasp today, is that there is an eternal hope for you. Look, in the midst of moments and times where we may feel frustrated and disappointed, Please remember that in the midst of all these emotions that are right to have, that God has given us a living, eternal hope. We hold on to that. And also, may I encourage you that in a divided world, let us be the united church, because that's what the world needs to see from us. You know why? (laughs) Because the church, Ephesians tells us, is the hope of the world. We're the way that God is revealing his plan. The church is the hope of the world. And so here's how we're going to end this service together today. Whether you're watching this online or on television or you're here in the room, I'm going to ask you to to stand with me, if you would, please. Worship team's going to come. A couple weeks ago, we sang a song called The Blessing. It's it's the scripture straight from Numbers chapter 6 where God tells the priests what to pronounce over his people, that the Lord bless you and keep you make his face shine on you, be gracious to you. They turn his face towards you and that he give you peace. My prayer today is that you in your home, that us in our church here in our nation, that we would know the blessing of God. And you know where I'm pretty convinced it starts? It starts with the United Church because we're the hope of the world. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that it speaks to us. Thank you, God, for the way that it challenges us. Thank you, Lord, for the hope it gives to us. Lord, I pray that as we sing this song of blessing, that those of us who are wrestling with where we're at right now, Lord, would you remind us that you are the God who wants to bless us. And Lord, as your people, your people who long for your favor and anointing and blessing, we hold on to your hope. God, may you allow these words straight from your scripture to stir and speak life to us. Thank you that you are the God who blesses us. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Let's sing it again. The Lord bless shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Come on, we agree with you, Lord. And I Father, we thank you for your blessing that you give to us. Every good and perfect gift comes from you, Lord. Lord, would you pour out your blessing on our lives, on our homes, on our church, on our nation, and as your people. God, would it start with us? May we know your favor may we experience divine anointing may we look and see a a blessing in our lives as we hold on to the hope God that only comes from you Lord may we be people who live in and share with others the blessing that comes from knowing Jesus Christ Lord thanks for your word thanks for this time together Lord, would you bless us with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.